Welcome to Whatever Happened to the Heroes. Um, thank you all for coming to the, the session. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon. If you don't know me, I'm the features editor for Kids Screen Magazine. And I uh, just want to make an announcement right off the bat that uh, this session um, is, uh, we'd like to say a big thank you to uh, Fremantle Media Kids and Family Entertainment. Um, clap if you like. <laughs> So uh, as a global leader in family entertainment and uh, one of the most dynamic independent producers, licensors, and distributors of engaging and groundbreaking content, that includes both comedy and action-adventure series, uh, Fremantle Kids and Family Entertainment is delighted to sponsor Whatever Happened to the Heroes. So thanks again. So um, I'd like to uh, introduce our panel of Heroes, uh, they're all heroes, I think. Um, <laughs> there we go. So uh, first uh, we have Ken Fair. Um, he is the El Presidente of Nerdcore Entertainment. You can clap. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and on his left we have uh, David Levine, uh, VP of Programming, Production, and Strategic Development for Disney Channel's EMEA. All right. Ooh. And also Patric Patricia Hidalgo, uh, SVP and Chief Content and Creative Officer for Kids at Turner Broadcasting System, EMEA. <laughs> and we also have Finn Arneson, SVP of International Distribution and Development for Hasbro Studios. <laughs> and finally, we have Nikki Goldstone, and she's a research consultant at Goldstone Pearl Research, and they've been doing uh, a lot of brand new research, well, research over the years, but brand new research also uh, with Nickelodeon and uh, Lego. Um, this is research done in the UK and focused on boys. So that is our panel, so it should be good. So, I mean, obviously, Superheroes is huge, uh, not only in kids, but uh, in the adult space. The, the Marvel influence is crazy. Um, everyone loves superheroes. Um, but it, are we seeing uh, a major shift away from action-adventure and more towards comedy, especially for uh, the 6 to 9 uh, demo? Um, will superheroes ever be super again? Uh, there, is there a change? Uh, how are these superheroes? Are they regular superheroes or different superheroes? So. Um, basically, uh, the box office and uh, the toy stores uh, still seem to ring to the power of uh, superhero and action star machismo, but in TV animation there appears to be a shift, like I said, away from this uh, mutation mayhem, if you will, um, and super uh, secret identities and intergalactic adversaries. That's a a mouthful. <laughs> Action adventure is uh, being replaced by comedy. As we know, comedy, comedy, comedy. Everyone wants comedy. Um, uh, superheroes are being exchanged for new comic heroes that make kids laugh. Um, so is today's six to nine boys audience uh, no longer interested in animated action adventure TV shows? And where do the girls fit into this? Um, so, you know, is there a trend? Also, another que big question, is there a trend towards uh, spaghetti-armed comedy uh, with commissioners? And, and what will it mean for animation producers? and toy companies. Um, is the market seeing a super shift and what can we do to make action adventure exciting again? So that said, I'd like to um, pose the first question to Nikki, um, who has been doing uh, research. And um, to what extent has this happened from what you're seeing with your new research? 
I'm going to talk to you about some research I've recently been doing for Nickelodeon. In fact, it's absolutely hot off the press because I have spent last weekend watching cartoons with boys and I'm about to spend this weekend watching cartoons with boys and with girls as well. It's a strange job, but somebody has to do it from time to time. Um, and based on that, I'm going to talk more about boys, um, specifically with this presentation. And when we talk about boys and we talk about the audience, I think it's really important, particularly for the title of this session, that we remember that boys are not a homogenous group and actually they're very different and your average boy perhaps who's six will be very different to your nine-year-old and have very different needs and these differences become more pronounced as they get older and underpin their attitudes to animation so I guess one question to ask is there such a thing as a cartoon boy and we can see that there are these differences by age at the younger end sort of five six seven cartoons are very much the norm and they can talk passionately about them um, for hours on end and often their interests are fueled by other boys, they're happy to discuss them in the playground, and by licensed toys too. There's a symbiotic relationship between the toys and their viewing behaviour. Things change enormously for boys in year three, and this is as true for Nickelodeon as it is for Lego, for all other kinds of properties in this market. Um, and what you find here is that as boys start to go into junior school, they change enormously, and they start to understand the, the rules of boys. And as a result, they're watching a wide repertoire of TV shows. Um, I've just recently done groups, as I've said, and I found boys aged seven to eight, they were watching even Peppa Pig when they were tired and wanted to <laughs> chill out, to EastEnders when they wanted something a bit more challenging. So it's an it, enormous difference. And actually, we got mums to do blogs so we could really analyse the kids' viewing behaviour, and it was interesting. They enjoy live action too. Um, and importantly, they get their comedy fixes from a variety of other sources, in particular other TV shows, uh, you know, live action. Harry Hill was quoted over and over again. And YouTube, they can spend hours on YouTube looking up clips of fat ladies and um, sporting heroes getting things wrong. They particularly like mistakes. So they're getting all their comedy in that way. Um, what we did in the research, we asked boys to map a variety of different cartoon show logos. And actually, they were quite clear how they segmented. And they said, you've got your action-adventure ones, your fighting cartoons, and then you've got your comedy ones. And it was interesting to talk to the boys about how they felt differently about them. So if you think about the fighting cartoons, um, typically they would be boys who were interested in action figures, and they would typically be younger. They would be five, six, seven. Or if they're older, if they're going to hang on to this genre past seven, seven, eight, nine, they would be perhaps not the coolest kids in the class. They would be perhaps not very sophisticated in terms of other things that they're doing. And they know that they're in the minority. So it, you would get a boy perhaps in year four that's typically aged eight to nine say, you know, the coolest boy doesn't like them. They are probably not into them like me. So he wouldn't discuss action adventure. He wouldn't discuss superheroes at school, certainly. And that behavior would be very private and something that he would do at home. Um, having said that, for your comedy boys, that is the price of entry into animation, obviously. But you do find these differences in humor and, and what boys find funny. And essentially, for the younger boys, it's around nonverbal and very slapstick. And for older boys, it becomes more complicated. They like verbal gags with visual reinforcement. And actually, interestingly, I think humor can give boys permission to dip back into action adventure. So if something is funny, they can find that heroes can be appropriate for them again. So these are boys who claim to have grown out of action adventure and fighting and heroes and the way they talk about 
why. And they mostly it revolves around this type of animation not being realistic enough. They've moved on, and we'll talk more about that in a sec. So fighting without guns is just babyish. It's hard to explain. It's not realistic. The world has moved on. They're not prepared to entertain heroes in that shape and form anymore. But I think it's interesting, rather than look at different types of animation, let's look at it the other way around and say, you know, what does cartoons represent to boys? And actually, for boys, it is the humour gives them a huge surge, a huge release of laughter and giggles. It can be a safe place to explore fears and feelings, and I'll talk about that in a sec. It's a world that, uh, that um, reflects their psyche, and it's a comfortable and very relaxed viewing experience. And you can have this viewing experience when you're feeling tired and floppy and slightly regressive, or if you're watching with siblings. What do boys find funny? It's very difficult to talk to boys about this. They can talk about all types of animation. You can say, why do you like it? And they say it's funny, and you just get in a loop with that. But from observing them, they like things that are very visual and slapstick, especially younger. Nothing is as funny as somebody else getting hurt um, and in a very kind of safe way. Uh, silly, a dumb character, the unexpected, the, unpredict the unpredictable, and gross. Things that a toilet humor is infinitely amusing simple storylines and weird characters. Again, you know, the balance between this, this isn't a menu for developing a show, but it just shows you the kind of stuff that boys are paying attention to. But I think what is interesting when we come to look at heroes, they are still relevant and they do still resonate. And I think the reasons why are interesting. Boys can feel very powerless in an adult world. They can have fears about anxieties, about loss or separation or death. They can be surprisingly sensitive. They have a testosterone burst, usually around five years old, and they need to expend energy and be naughty. Yet at the same time, I think there's pressure on boys to control their emotions and to be good or to be brave or to whatever. And I think that what cartoons do is it allows them to explore the, these raw emotions in a, in a natural way. And mums talk about that as well, and they say, you know, they know it's wrong to hit, but if you can watch a cartoon characters hitting each other, it sort of provides you with some kind of release. If we could crack open boy's head and have a look and see what was in there. Um, and again, this is true for playing. You know, all of these things, if you played Lego with boys, all of these stories would come out. It's the same things over and over again. Powers, goodies, baddies, being the best, being brave, succeeding in tasks and missions, friendship and loyalty, being silly and gross, being cheeky, being physical, fighting. So when we come to say, is it humor or is it heroes, I think it is much more complicated than this, and it can be all in the mix. But the question here is, what is going on? Why do boys claim and do grow out of animated action-adventure cartoons? Um, you will find boys from the age of about eight saying that they're not watching kids' TV anymore. They believe they're not, but actually their viewing diaries present a slightly different picture. Um, they reject certain types of animation as being babyish. They're very visually literate and sophisticated, so anything with big eyes or a, a certain palette will be off-putting to them. I think there is something that we are going to want to talk about, that our action-adventure needs being met by other things, by computer games and apps in particular, where they would say they feel in control of things, where the violence can look and feel very real. I know from other research that I'm doing that they're clearly exposed to some quite inappropriate and violent computer games, Call of Duty being discussed by eight- and nine-year-olds on gr groups at the weekend. How do you go back from that to fighting cartoons? 
And as you well know, there's been a, a number of animated licenses have been refreshed by live action. So that creates a different vocabulary around real and real guns and real and so on. In the interest of time, I'm going to zip through that. And of course, life has been invaded by other things. Um, Apple and apps really has been a huge shift in the last year, I think, for apps in particular. Um, and I think there is an element of fulfilling a fighting action burst, perhaps through the apps world too. Um, and it is something that kids are talking about more. So I was recently doing groups at the weekends. So I thought I'd be very cheeky and throw in an extra question in my pre-group questionnaire and say, who was your hero? And there was huge consistency. And I'd just like to contrast for the younger boys, it was Spider-Man and Dad. And for old boys, shockingly, it was Wayne Rooney in spite of the disgraceful performance yeah. and Ronaldo. So, you know, it's a complete shift. Um, and I said to the older boys, what about Spider-Man? What about Ben 10? And they laughed at me as if I was a mad woman. So things have clearly moved on for an older age group from about seven, eight. So just to end, I think it's always good to remember who we're talking about, remember our audience, and just bear them in mind in this conversation that the 10 rules of boyhood that have helped to develop with Nickelodeon, <laughs> it's rubbish or cool, there's nothing in between. They are so black and white boys, they don't live in the grey. I'm sure this could possibly apply to men, we're not sure, another discussion. <laughs> if my older boy has it, my older brother has it, um, I want it. If my younger brother has got it, I don't want it anymore. So absolute rejection. There's no going back, never go back, unless it's completely different. Always aspire up, always push the boundaries, always try and watch that film you're not supposed to, always try and get mum to get that computer game you're not supposed to play. Nothing as funny as farting and burping. You've got no second chance, and I think that's particularly true of television now. You've got five to ten seconds in which to amaze me, or I'm zapping or flicking past you. New, new, new um, content, unless I'm feeling tired, in which case I want something old, old, old. Girls are stupid. Technology is God. <laughs> and always be the winner. So thank you. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that fabulous. Thanks. Uh, Patricia, did you want to um, weigh in on uh, yeah. that, the topic, if you will? Okay. Thanks. Well, uh, thank you, Nikki, because that, that was um, a very good segue into, into a little sizzle that I have prepared. I think, you know, um, at Cartoon Network, you know, we have, that's, that's our demo. Um, yeah, girls are stupid. Yeah, but. Um, and they, you know, the, the heroes come in very many shapes and forms. Um, what is true is not so much that, you know, superheroes are, are dying in, in, um, in the content that we produce because, you know, um, Ben 10 still very much alive and kicking. I think it's more to do with the demos we're after because when you look at the presentation that Nikki just uh, took us through, it is a very narrow demo and a much young, and in, in the younger demo between five and six years old that are going to be wanting to watch these uh, kind of action superheroes. And it's harder and harder to get them, you know, to come when they're older. So as at Cartoon Network, our strategy has been to um, continue to serve those younger boys. So together with, uh, with, uh, with Benten and other content that we have for that age group, but also um, to uh, broaden our, our demo and our, our reach by uh, going into comedy, and, uh, but not giving up on the heroes because we, we believe that heroes are really important and they're very much uh, part of our DNA. And, uh, and I just want to show you a showreel that actually shows you who these heroes are. <laughs>
but anyways, that's just to show that uh, uh, heroes come in all shapes and forms, you know, in, in the case of our content, you know, we're looking at heroes uh, from adventure time, we have adventure, you have uh, action adventure, but you also have a comedy. Um, and also you look at heroes like, you know, what you saw there, uh, Clarence, that really cute little boy, which is just trying to be a hero for his mom. Um, and that those, you know, those are the, the new type of heroes. Thanks very much. Uh, so, sorry, David, to cut That's you off. Okay. Um, how, how, would, how would you like to weigh in on uh, so, the, the topic? Um, so Disney has, uh, we've had a great opportunity a couple of years ago to uh, acquire uh, Lucasfilm and Star Wars. Uh, and so we, on, after having had acquired Marvel, so clearly we are very much in the action and adventure business. Um, and uh, I have a, a special treat today. Uh, we have an upcoming show called Star Wars Rebels. Uh, it is the newest uh, Star Wars content to be produced uh, by Lucasfilm uh, since Disney acquired, acquired the company. And so I have an exclusive Star Wars Rebels short to show for you today. It's never before been seen in the UK. Um, no recording. And to make sure that uh, nobody records anything, I brought in uh, some special Imperial security. So uh, we ready for them to uh, join us? So I, I think it I think it touches on a number of the things that we've been talking about about already. Um, those are new brand new characters. Uh, you see a very strong female character there, Hera. She's the pilot of the ship that you saw, and there's a lot of humor in that. Hopefully, I hope you got a couple of chuckles. Um, there's humor in that much more so than other um, iterations of Star Wars, and uh, um, that's something for us that's really important to make sure that we are moving with the times, um, but staying true to the essence of the property. And if for those of you who remember um, you know the original Star Wars movie there's a lot of those moments that are actually kind of funny and um, uh, that's that's really what we've been going for uh, with uh, Star Wars Rebels so making sure that we have um, a younger entry point a character that you didn't see in that short uh, one of the main characters is a teenager and uh, so we have those more relatable uh, touch points for the for the audience in this new production our guys are going to be uh, at the Crucible after the session, so if you want to take photos uh, with our Stormtrooper friends, they will be uh, at the Crucible, so um, uh, make sure you get a, shot, a photo with our, our, our gentlemen here. Thanks, guys. Ken, uh, how would you like to, to weigh in on that? It's, it's like following Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> on a sitcom, on a stand-up. Great. Uh, ben, maybe you should go. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. Where, I mean, that, that is very awesome. And, and you know, we're, uh, you know, when I look at what we've done over the years, we've tried to create some original IP. And when you look at the retail shelf space, extremely difficult. I mean, if you go in that boy's action aisle, most, almost every single property has been there for 10 plus years. And so it is very challenging for everyone in this room, including everyone on this table, to create something new that wasn't iterative of something that has existed. And it's very challenging. I mean, you have Disney, Nick, Cartoon, all owning uh, different brands, and obviously they're going to put the power of those uh, companies behind them, as they should, as I would if I were in that position. We're an independent producer, so we're trying to create 
uh, IP, looking at the, the research that comes back. I, I can't refute any of that in terms of what we've seen in our own experience of, of trying to tackle this. And of course, it's a moving target. I mean, boys have evolved. And when you read all that stuff about boys, it's not girls are stupid, boys are stupid. When you read that <laughs> list of you know how they behave and what they like at different ages, is I have a boy and a girl in my family. And you know, it's just amazing the difference in terms of what they what they like and trying to find something that hits a five to seven year old that also works for an eight to 11 year old. So you extend your audience and also is girl inclusive, uh, has heart and humor. It's almost impossible to achieve all of that. Um, and, you know, and the older kids and the kind of old fans of Star Wars, of course, there's going to be some naysayers out there because, oh, they're, you know, they're ruining the brand I loved 35 years ago. I mean, it's really tough to balance all of the the interests of the uh, of the audience. And I think the most important thing for us when we go at it is, you know, is this uh, number one, do we have really strong characters, a great concept for, you know, what what is the concept for Slug Terra, which is one of our brands we launched a year and a half ago with Disney on a global basis and other free-to-air channels. We've been on air for about a year and a half. You know, our goal was to try and deliver something that had humor, had heart, had collectability, um, you know, when you go in that boys' action aisle, you have different kinds of toy boy buyers as well. Like we were talking about the different kinds of boys, and uh, Mattel and Hasbro have this down really to a science when you come down to what is that six-year-old boy, and there's different types of six-year-old boys, not just that four- to six-year-old who's the toy buyer. There are different kinds of buyers. You go into the aisle and you buy action figures, you're not necessarily the same boy who's going to buy Pokemon. They're quite different. Um, and so you really have to try and understand that piece of it mixed with what broadcasters want, which is as broad an audience as possible. Their, their primary revenue model is advertising. Um, participating in merchandising is a wonderful thing, but the reality is their number one driver is, is audience and, and revenue. So, you know, whatever happened to the heroes, I've been doing boys' action, I guess, for 12-ish years uh, going back, and Nerdcore's produced things like Max Steel, which Fremantle distributes for Mattel. We've done uh, Hot Wheels show. We did Stormhawks a few years back. Um, we did a show called League of Super Evil, which is kind of more almost a parody of, of action. And so we've played in this space a lot. Um, it is probably the most difficult, I think, category to, to create a business around. If you have a hit, it's awesome. I saw Bakugan listed there. That's probably one of the more recent massive successes from a toy point of view. I don't know from a broadcast point of view if everyone would say it was a huge success. It was successful. And, and I think actually for me, and I, I don't want to step on Finn, but uh, uh, from a perspective, from a broadcaster perspective, I, I would actually take a bit of a an issue with whatever happened to the heroes. The reality check is not much has actually happened to the heroes because when you look at the ratings and you look at the historical trends, superheroes and action adventure shows generally have never been particularly successful in a broad sense. Couple of slots here and there, maybe. Um, if you look at the top 50 programs in the UK, action adventure is basically nowhere to be found um, in, in, in key kid demos. Now when you break it down into smaller boy micro targets, you will see action adventure rise somewhat to the top. But there's still, you know, you look at Sheriff Callie on Disney Junior is one of the top two shows for, for younger boys right now, which is in pay TV, which is obviously not action adventure. Um, so I, I would say not much has actually happened. Mm. And the reality is action and adventure and this genre has never been the huge success that I think people tend to think it, it has been. Um, I think you've got you have some mega hits that cloud people's memory, so to speak. But when you look at the numbers, it 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 
the data doesn't actually support that it was ever a driver. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot more networks now in the UK. It's yeah. 33 networks. So you can start to super serve yeah. with your specific brands of, uh, of networks that go after that. But the kind of the main, I guess, three yeah. big US networks, they need a big audience. So, so it is kind of one of those things when we look at it as an independent trying to create and partner the right way. Uh, with broadcasters, retail, et cetera. It's a very tough uh, thing to try and achieve. I mean, we we're very proud of achieving that with Slugterra, but it's, it's been a hard road. And, uh, you know, we're not, we've got a lot of work still to do, but creating a mega hit as a non kind of owned property in this space is challenging. But you lo we look at it as who loves this brand and why do they love it? I think we've introduced a lot of, with Slugterra, for those who don't know it, it's about this world underneath our own and these little creatures that you shoot out of these kind of blasters. And when they hit velocity, they transform. That was where the idea started. Wouldn't that be really cool? Boys love to shoot things. And how do you deliver kind of like a, a Western for kids in a way that's family friendly? And I think we've found a way to do that that has comedy, adventure, and stakes uh, as well. And you know, we look at it and say, okay, we have, a hit depends how you define a hit. What is a hit? You know, obviously the biggest audience is a hit, but when you're looking at the business of it, what's a hit and how big a hit do you need it to be? You, we start to accumulate time spent on our brand across a number of things, on air for sure, but also the app. How much time is being spent in the app? What to our kids buying the toys and do, what's the feedback from them in terms of social media and whatnot? So we look at all of those things, say, is this working? And how much more do you throw at it? Because that's the other thing about boys' action. The repeatability is not as good. So comedy is really important to, to, to drive that. I don't know if your research showed anything, but I, someone told me this. I haven't seen the statistical stuff. But a boy will watch a comedy episode up to 10 times, and a boy will watch an action episode up to three or four times. So that's the issue in a market where you're, where you're airing content over and over and over again. You have a smaller audience than a comedy, which you know, also delivers, delivers girls. So it's in, interesting. Sorry, I just want to yeah. uh, get to Finn. Uh, I think he, he wants to chime in uh, on this <laughs> yeah. uh, topic a little bit. Thanks. Okay. Uh, how, how do you follow that? How do you follow the stormtrooper and then <laughs> Ken's genius <laughs> soliloquy there? <laughs> Thanks, guys. No, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I, we play in the same space as that. I think, I think what everyone said, right from Nikki through to the aging down. So, uh, obviously, it's good news that Action Adventure, I agree, it has never gone away. I just think it's it's a shift in emphasis and demo. I think the first point is the demo emphasis. So, you know, Ben 10 all those years ago, when we commissioned that, you know, it was like a six, nine show. We all know that's like three, four, five, six-year-olds now, four to six. The same thing happens with one of our um, brands, our main Action Adventure brand, you might have heard of, Transformers. So if you think about the, the evolution of Transformers, that is a heritage brand that's been around 30 years. So you've got kids from the 80s watching it. That was four to nine, six to 11 kids, whatever you want to split that. And how do you take that heritage brand with all its lore and its collectors and adults and dads and kids collecting it? Clearly, it's now aged down. So from our point of view, it's all about the long tail of making sure you're hitting all the touch points with that really successful brand. So because I don't have Stormtroopers with me today, I actually had a couple of clips of our new Transformers show. This is my shameless plug, David. Um, uh, which is uh, our new show, uh, Transformers uh, Robots in Disguise. We've gone back to the old classic uh, Robots in Disguise moniker. I had a couple of clips. Corporate PR shut me down, not allowed to show it. So maybe the Stormtroopers might have it later, whatever. But um, in answer to that, what we have done is we've aged it down, but we've also made sure that we're touching all the points of the show. So it's going to launch in 15. We've aged it down. There's more humor. There's more comedy. There's human elements in the show. 
everybody knows that Autobots and Decepticons beat the crap out of each other. We all know that. And that was the boys action fighting the testosterone to which you spoke of. Now we're getting a little bit more subtle about it. There's more human interaction. There's girl characters, boy characters, much more relatability to real life, even though it is a fantasy. I think kids are much more sophisticated. And I think kids need a little bit more reality and, and relatability in their fantasy. So we're trying to do that with a new show. In terms of what Ken touched upon, yeah, we're very lucky. We have a huge uh, toy business behind us. As we make the shows in the studio, we then have that long tail of licensing and merchandising, but it is tough. So the way we're working on that is to make sure we're listening to our audience and doing it across app, doing it across digital comics, doing it across interactive comics. We literally take it and go for all of our different touch points without annoying the Transformer fans uh, of yesterday who will, who will find their, their own engagement. Um, but I, I agree, I don't think heroes are dead. I think heroes come in many shapes and sizes. And I think it's a competitive environment. I think the rise of comedy, some great shows out there. Mm -hmm. The rise of girl properties, one of ours, ours is My Little Pony. It's a huge phenomenon. And I think we need to examine the, the, the uh, relationship to boys' action in context of girls and the increasing number of girls. He's making some awesome girl shows. We're making some great girl shows. The rise of girls is that fragmenting or is that bringing girls into a more heroic... It's a fascinating subject. Have you got research on that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have. So, yep. so in a word, I don't think, I don't think action, uh, action Adventure is dead, and I think we're adding the comedy element to it, and I'm going to say it, uh, and I have to credit Ed Bignall for this, because he came up with a word yesterday that we both burst out laughing, actionomedy. You like it, or is it rubbish? We just leave it now, leave it in the vault. Oh, you've got to clap. Yeah. Has, has, has is that in the room? <laughs> maybe we can just it, switch to talking about girls. Uh, you brought it up. Let's talk about uh, actionomedy. <laughs> let's let's do it. I've said it twice. I'll never say it again. <laughs> um, so obviously, Froze, Frozen has a huge hit uh, uh, right around the board. Um, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Brave, throwing in really strong female uh, characters that are you know in the full-on action. Um, mm -hmm. Where do you uh, you know see? Uh, do you see a push for more female superheroes? You've touched on it already. Who? Anyone like to talk well, about that yeah. area? So uh, uh, for Disney Channel, we actually have two different female-led uh, properties that we are uh, uh, in development and producing right now. Um, they'll be coming out uh, next year. One is uh, this is these are the, the two slides. Let's see which one. Ladybug. So that's a co-production with a variety of partners in Europe uh, in Japan. Um, uh, it's a young girl named Marnie. She's got uh, magical powers. Uh, she fights crime in uh, in Paris. She's got a uh, partner in crime, uh, part a superhero partner that she uh, battles alongside with. His name is uh, Cat Noir, and uh, so she and she also has to deal with regular teenage issues. Uh, but she she kicks butt, and she's got cool powers, and she's got a cool costume. Um, and so that'll be coming out uh, next year. And then also uh, we have a show called Star vs. the Forces of Evil, uh, which is an in-house production from TV animation, uh, Disney TV animation, uh, in, in based in Burbank. And uh, Star is a princess from another dimension whose parents send her to Earth to keep her safe from all the evil forces that want to uh, destroy her and her uh, magical wand. Of course, the evil finds their way into this dimension, and she's also got to kick a little butt while looking uh, stylish. And um, there's also a lot of comedy in... Uh, uh, particularly in Star, we've built a lot of comedy into the series. Uh, she's got uh, she she's living with a family here on Earth. Who's they have a young uh, teenage son named Mario, who's uh, a Marco. Marco is Marco, and um, 
uh, they've got a really fun relationship, a uh, really fun banter relationship. And, uh, you know, we, we really think that uh, now is a good time for us to bring uh, heroes for girls that are girls uh, to our audience on Disney Channel. And those will be uh, rolling out next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I make a point on that? I think sure. you know what's really good is that that is a really brave commission. I was going to talk about that a little bit because one of the things we've been in cyclically over the years is that nobody was really brave enough to do a girl-based action comedy or you know action adventure show. I think we've all paid homage to the female lead in an action adventure show. We've all had the Gwens. We've had you know whatever the heroes are, and I think it's a brave commissioning decision to do that and put it front and center and not be uh, shy about it. I think that's really important. I think we need to balance out those genders, and I don't think it's just paying homage to oh, and there's a and there's a female character yeah. in it as well. Yeah. You know. Well, but one of the questions, and Sorry. will be great, interesting to see, is you know which aisle in retail does this go into? Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say because mm-hmm. I think is many times uh, superheroes were all looking at the consumer product size of thing as mm-hmm. we know that you know from a ratings point of view, as we have said before, it's not that great. So you know, the, 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 I believe that when it comes to girls. Um, what they are going to be uh, attracted to is, is is the emotion always. So you know you're going to go into apparel, you're going to go into um, you know uh, uh, costumes or or um, or uh, uh, any other thing that is not toyetic. Whereas with boys, the play pattern is role play, so that's where your toy is. Right. So if we want, you know, I mean, in in, in Cartoon Network, we are we are we have to look at our audience. Our audience is 30% of it is girls as well, so we do tend to include. Uh, some heroes in our in our cartoons as well. We have Princess Bubblegum. We have uh, Marceline in in Adventure Time, which are becoming real heroes for our girl audiences. And what we see there is that they really want to engage with these characters through, but not through toys, but through different uh, different type of consumer products. Mm. I, certainly, for Star vs. the Forces of Evil, you know uh, that the consumer products is not first and foremost in our minds. We're, we're, we, we found a really great creator uh, that came up with the show, teamed, them, teamed her up with a really experienced producing team um, in, in Burbank and wanted to create a great show with great characters. And if there's a consumer products play at some point, great. But it's not driving our, our commissioning decision. Um, Ladybug is a co-production with a variety of partners, including um, some toy partners. And you know, I, I, I can't directly speak to their plans, but I would imagine um, that they have some significant ones. And uh, I'm sure we will hear about them as we, we move forward in the process. Um, and they, you know, they'll, yeah. they'll figure it out. Well, I mean, I, we produced the uh, Monster High movies for Mattel, and it's been a really interesting process there of you know something that uh you know i wish we could take credit for creating and we did not but being around it and seeing my god what a massive success it was and something that was not really traditional doll play um kicking ass in that aisle and spawning lots of interesting spin-offs i mean looking at the ladybug character that looks cool it's arresting i mean i don't know i'm not a girl but that looks like i mean if you go back to um uh, totally spies. Uh, you know that was an interesting one from what, you know what I know about it in terms of ratings. I would aired on Cartoon Network in the U.S. and it was more of a gr- boy audience actually boy, in terms of the uh, the audience. Boys watched a yeah. lot of Totally Spies. Yeah. Yeah. but from a toy line, I th- I, in North America, didn't work as much as maybe in Europe uh, has more of I guess a fashion sensibility, and you know boys are not going to buy those. But you know where will girls come into that? That was I did a session at Kids Green, and there was this woman who spent 25 years in the kind of doll business and she works with uh, Disney quite a bit actually and so she there was something that she said the difference between boys and girls at that kind of five to seven year old 
four to seven-year-old toy buying uh, age group, and maybe you're seeing this in your research, is that you know boys at that age, it's about physical empowerment. You know, it's about that fighting element of it. For girls, it's about beauty empowerment and nurturing empowerment. And I thought that was a really interesting way that there's definitely a difference in terms of play pattern. This is the play pattern. And, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily align 100% with broadcast needs. Often it does. Um, and that's at that younger age. As you go older, it changes uh, a, a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how these shows do with that. Because that's yeah. you're targeting older on Disney Channel yeah. with those. Yeah. And interesting with Powerpuff Girls, which we're bringing back, as, as you probably have heard, Yay. it's a show that is going to be very much appealing to boys. But then when it comes to the consumer product side mm -hmm. of it, it's going to be fashion and it's going to be girls. So, you know, you can you have your cake and eat it probably. I hope so, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but that's that's an interesting one, I think, and those are certainly super little superheroes. Mm -hmm. Just uh, going back to sort of finding a place for humor uh, in action uh, adventure cartoons. How difficult is it? Um, we saw the Star Wars clip, which is throwing that humor into it that uh, that works. Um, but how difficult is that? I mean, you have the success of uh, Adventure Time. Um, Bravest Warriors, even online, is uh, an interesting one. And the Lego movie, obviously, is, is finding a way to, to blend that properly. Um, how, how, do you, how difficult is it uh, today to blend that? I, I think it's a real challenge. And, and you know, with all of our superhero shows, uh, we've done various attempts at trying to incorporate humor into our various shows. So um, Ultimate Spider-Man is probably our most successful uh, Marvel show that we've launched, and it's the one that actually has the most humor and has the most... Um, we break the fourth wall, we do comedic asides, um, we also have Avengers Assemble, which is actually pretty kind of on the nose, and, and the humor that's in it is really echoing from what you see in the movie in terms of some of the character interplay. And then there's Hulk and the Agents of Smash, where you have um, characters directly talking to the camera and some of them making jokes. And it's, it's a very, very difficult uh, needle to thread, and particularly in trying to create content that lives up to the Marvel brand name, that lives up to these characters, and then also works in a commercial... Uh, television environment uh, where we have so many slots to fill, we have so many ratings points that we need to generate, and when you have content that has that challenge, it's challenging to place it. It's a big gap, isn't it, from the big theatrical to then trying to make, you know, a show yeah. for television, yeah. you know, do the same mm -hmm. thing because they expect it, there's such a big gap. I think that uh, the Lego movie has done something really interesting because it does have that you know, that, that comedic appeal, it actually doesn't take the hero seriously. I mean, you look the way they're treating Batman and it's really funny. I mean, they're laughing at themselves and, and, and we're laughing at them with them. And I think that, that they've done this, that really, really cleverly. Mm. And the same thing with Ninjago. I think that, they, you know, working with, with, uh, with Lego has been great in that sense, you know, bringing those heroes um, much closer to our audiences by adding the, the comedic uh, side to it. Yeah. And the Star Wars Lego specials are some of the best performing mm -hmm. pieces of Star Wars television content for, for any of us. So it's, yeah, it's, it's it, I think that's definitely the right evolution and direction. Yeah, it's, t it's totally that. As I mentioned earlier, it's like for us, we have to be very careful because, you know, you, you, you can't really take the mickey out of Optimus Prime because he will kill you. <laughs> he, won't, he never kills anybody. But, but, you know, so we, in our script writing on the new show, we have to be very, very careful because we are having fun with the characters and we're pushing it and we are actually, we're not breaking the third wall. If I did that, I'd be killed. But, you know, we're not breaking the third wall, but we are doing a little aside and we're saying, you know, this is quite fun actually and we've come along for the ride and Bumblebee is quite comedic in this. And if you think about it, the movie 4 just launched um, and that is super serious. And, the, you know, the, the fate of mankind 
hands in the balance. So when you take that from theatrical down to TV and all the other stuff we're doing, you have to really be careful with doing it. And that, that's why it's taken so long to make the show and we're a bit late in production. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, I, I'm completely agreeing with you guys. It's, um, it's, it's a hard thing to do if you get it right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so hard. When you look at the App Store, I find it interesting. The action-ish type games are all kind of almost silly character design. Yeah. Like, no, but no, these kids don't yeah. take it too seriously. They want to have action, but I think it's... Uh, you know, the, the, it's Plants like, versus zombies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like really kind of comedic, funny stuff, trying to get that mix. And is, that, is action, um, we t touched on it a little bit, skewing even younger when you're looking at preschool shows. Um, uh, are, and obviously with tablets and apps and kids, you know, as young as one, just killing it on those. Um, how, 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 are you, how is that sort of mixing into the preschool side? By the very nature, it's getting younger, as we said. Yeah, so yeah. I think you know, your examples in Everytree Food Time and everything, we, have, we had Rescue Bots, which is our younger skewing show that was not about you know, ultimate uh, the fate of mankind. It was about mission-based. It was much more gentle, much more entry-level. And that's in our Play School Heroes. And that's where that's in Isle. Yeah. And it's Play School Heroes. And you can play with it. You've got the super deformed characters and the Marvel characters. That's yeah. nice and gentle, and it's an entry point. Absolutely, it's getting younger. You think you just have to tailor each show or each demo you're making to, to that market. Yeah, um, Particularly in the U.S., there's the and I don't know if this phrase, this terminology applies here. Um, the whole concept of it's not preschool, it's pre-cool, and so the whole idea of toys for four to six-year-olds that echo a lot of the um, characters and play play patterns of superheroes or action. So you have Marvel products for preschoolers um, and that's definitely influenced us uh, as we look at a show like Jake and the Neverland Pirates which is, which is a Disney Junior show you'll see a lot more as we in, in future episodes you'll see a lot more of Jake being a hero and being a leader because we recognize that that's really where the boy play pattern is that's what boys really respond to and um, it's it's absolutely affecting uh, the, the preschool space for us we call it gentle jeopardy just uh Nikki, just um, going back to your research a little bit, um, just uh, you were talking about the, how the nature of our heroes has changed. Um, <laughs> boys uh, see other characters as heroes. Um, can you can you just sort of touch on that a little bit more, based on some of the comments that have been made? Uh, are things that's are things playing out that way? You know, obviously, but based on I research. think so. I think yeah. it's very it's interesting. I don't know if you talk to boys and say who's your hero, they look at you a bit blankly and say well what do you mean so who do you look up to and then it would be dad and Wayne Rooney but actually I think the superheroes work in a slightly different way and I also agree that it comes straight from preschool I've researched preschool boys and they're looking for these mums call them the oh no moments you know just a slight rush of adrenaline and I think that's the beginning of the heroic journey if you like anyone have a question for the panel uh, hi um just talking about girls getting into more heroic content, my daughter's favourite show at the moment is Transformers Rescue Bots. Awesome. And um, anybody that knows me will not be at all surprised by that. But <coughs> um, I was wondering if you saw these, these kind of gentle jeopardy shows, great, great term by the way, these sort of gentle jeopardy shows uh, where there isn't, there isn't like conflict and there isn't uh, necessarily a lot of fighting and things that might be stereotypically considered boyish whether that was a way into these larger action adventure brands for girls and, and whether you thought that whether that was like a strategy or whether you're seeing anything like that happen no i think we i'm gonna be honest uh, we 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 built rescue bots as the 
parent friendly entry level and thank you for that because that's just exonerated that one person has <laughs> gone with the strategy uh two actually you and your daughter um so so from that point of view to be honest that the brand the transformers brand needed something more gentle right because it was getting way out of control and we all we've learned and you know i think someone said yesterday in the keynote you have to fail to to do well again so we didn't fail with transformers but we needed to age it down so i like the idea that we did mission-based gentle jeopardy <clears throat> as an entry point for younger boys we didn't really count on the girls. And the fact that we are getting more girls, and actually now we're seeing in the research where it goes on air, it's really successful, and we are getting five to eight-year-old girls. Who knew? So there you go. Right. So it's for us, it's a learning, and it's also a great way to do other entry-level points, which I think is great. And as a parent, you know, you, you don't want a hardcore action adventure all the time. There's a place for it. But, you know, mash that with, like, my 10-year-old son who's playing Titanfall, and he shouldn't be, right? How, how do I get him interested in Transformers Prime when he's playing Titanfall? Because Titanfall is pretty hardcore right that's what we're all up against that's the competitive nature of what we're up against right now so you better make your character and your story compelling and again it always comes down to it and i always say it it comes back to character and story and heart and interest and if you haven't got that you've got nothing so to your point yeah it's um it's been a great surprise and a success that, that that's actually being more gentle and it's gender neutral which is lovely the other thing that that consultant, uh, another awesome term that she used talking about the difference between boys and girls, she said that, you know, at that age, boys want to destroy evil. Girls want to convince evil to become good. That was awesome. I was like, that is the difference. You know, even when men are grown up, it's the same thing. <laughs> we, have one, we have time for one more, quest one more question just in the front here. Hi there. I had a question about the age of the heroes, because if the, the shows now are, you know, sort of targeted to a younger audience, what I'm very surprised about the shows that we've seen most recently, and it's a generalization, I'm sure there are exceptions, but in pure action adventures, the heroes in Slug Terra and Max Steel in Generator Rex, the, they're super old. Yeah. And wasn't Ben 10 the most successful when Ben was 10? Yeah, well, that's a good thing that you asked that, because... We, we realized that we made a mistake by making Ben older. Because Ben, when he was really successful, it was because he was relatable. Because a 10-year-old, you can, as you, when you're five or six, you can relate to a 10-year-old, but you're not going to relate to a 15-year-old that is having girlfriends and boyfriends right. or whatever. And that was my question, actually, for your research yeah. also. You said that, you know, they aspire to their older brother, and so, but yeah. their older brother is 10 it's as only opposed 10. to yeah. 14 or 15 or yeah. even 16 or and 17. And I think that's, that's that. That the, the the beauty about ten, about Ben is he he was ten, but when he transformed, he was still a kid, a ten year old kid with the same problems a ten year old kid would have, and he was, and he took the Mickey out of himself. You know, he was he was laughing at at the the mistakes of you know every time he got the monster that he didn't he wasn't planning on getting, he would be laughing at that. Mm. So it's 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 being relatable. That's the most important thing, and then the con comedy element. I think that's that's also helping. Cool thing Great. about Ben 10 is that he takes on these personas, though, of the alien. So it's still kind of kick-ass when he's in those outfits, as opposed to a kid who's still just a 10-year-old kid. He's, you know, the toy companies will say, beef up his arms, make him huge, and you know, make him muscular because that's an action figure. But he's still, he's still 10. He yeah. still behaves yeah. as a 10-year-old. Great. Thank you very much. Um, that's all the time we have. Thank you very much uh, to the panelists. Uh, it was very interesting.